On Monday, Americans will celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday. And in doing so, we'll generally be celebrating the broad achievements of the civil rights movement. But all across the United States, and particularly here in Houston, black history and black neighborhoods are being erased or reduced to a mural on the side of a Whole Foods. CityCast contributor Marcus Carter has thought a lot about race and gentrification, and today he and I are talking with one of the people fighting to keep a historically black Houston neighborhood from disappearing. Tanya DeBose describes herself as a disruptive historian. She's one of the chief forces behind the preservation of Houston's Independence Heights and a founder of the national group Black Towns Matter. It's Friday, January 14th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Tanya, Marcus, thanks for being here. Hello. Hey. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Tanya, could you start off by telling us where Independence Heights is and what your relationship to it is? Sure. So Independence Heights is located just north of the city of Houston, about five miles north of downtown. Um, It is in the northwest corner. So back in the day, Independence Heights was next to the Houston Heights, which was all white, but in Independence Heights, Black people could own land. Oh, wow. Wow, I didn't know that history. Yeah. What is your relationship to Independence Heights? Sure. So I'm a fifth-generation descendant of the people who started Independence Heights. My great-grandfather came there in 1924 from the cotton fields of Warden, Texas, and he purchased a house on 30th Street, which is now the 610 Loop. Wow. Yeah. And you still live there? So my family still live there. We still have several of our homes that our family purchased. Uh, Many of our family members who were looking for uh, home ownership and also to live in an area where they felt like they would be safe, where they could kind of chart their own future, raise their families, go to church and school, and also own businesses. Uh, This independent site presented that opportunity for many African-Americans beyond the ward system that was in Houston. And so quite proud of my heritage there in Independence Heights as from 1924 to now to still be in this community. We will celebrate 107 years uh, on Sunday because that oh. was the day it incorporated in 1950. Wow, this that's Sunday. amazing. This Sunday. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Are you still seeing descendants there from the original families? Sure. So we have several family descendants that are still there. We call ourselves the legacy families. And um, we are the driving force behind the work to preserve the community there. We asked 100 families to commit to staying in the community no matter what. And that meant that they would have an existence in the community. They would either be members of the churches, at the schools, or they would still keep their family homes. What, What does Independence Heights look like now? Could you just describe physically what it would look like if I were driving down a street? When you come into Independence Heights visually, you see churches along uh-huh. the main street. There are eight historic churches, uh, many of them that you can see from the main street. The homes in the community at this time are really, really changing. Uh, Houston, of course, is uh, more or less developer driven. And so what we're seeing without certain protections is we're seeing a lot of those historic homes being destroyed. So if we are on Main Street, what would we see? Main Street was once the economic corridor for the community. And what we see now is a barbershop, 
uh, the old shoe shop. And also uh, we have like a burger stand um, that's there. We still have the historic Boris Elementary School, um, mm -hmm. which is still there on 33rd mm -hmm. Street. So when you drive through the community, if you asked me this question two years ago, you would see people waving, people sitting on their front porches. You would see people in their front yard, kids outside. But this pandemic has changed things for us. And um, what I'm seeing is that development has been more aggressive oh. during the pandemic as opposed to before. And so that's kind of my vision. Is that housing market has heated up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. And, and so we are seeing a lot of the historic housing stock disappear. And someone just built three large three-story, it looks like seven-story townhomes right along our main wow. street. And so this this type of disrespect that's happening, knowing that we are trying to preserve particularly the, the area around our main street um, is troubling for us. So what you see is these homes that are uh, somewhat in disrepair or maybe it's a vacant lot. What you see is uh, developers come in and they put up these uh, tall, I call them modern day shotguns in the community. <laughs> oh. And this this particular, <laughs> yes. they are, they're modern they are, shotguns. They are. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, yes. they are. Wait, you call them shotguns because they're skinny and flimsy? Yes, yes. And the thing that really gets gets me about these is that the people who are moving into these places are transient. They're only there for two years at the most, and then they're gone. And so to see this building go away, to see these homes be destroyed and what they stood for, that's erasure of our history, and it's devastating to us. It's emotional to me um, to see history just of our people and, and of an area that's predominantly Black be stripped away like this. The people who are coming in and developing, as you said, you found you found people who are able to commit. Are they holding to that commitment or are some of them fi finding that they have to sell for financial reasons? We usually do an annual check of the roles in our community. Ten years ago, when I looked at this land, we only had maybe one person who was outside the community who owned a land on the street. Now there's only one person who is an original family that's still on the wow. street. Okay, so you're one of those legacy families. Why do you feel so strongly about Independence Heights? This particular uh, community is my mother's side of the family. And so one of the things that she has asked and my grandmother has asked is that we don't ever sell these properties because they are uh, a symbol of so much yes. more. It's a symbol of freedom. It's a symbol of ownership. It's a symbol of African-American people who came into a space mm -hmm. removed from a city that did not readily accept them and were able to create this autonomous society to own land. And owning land meant so much more because what it meant is that you could vote. What it meant is that you could run for office. Which African-Americans couldn't do in other places, right? Yeah. Yes. And so what you saw was people who decided we want to have normal amenities like the people in the Heights and in the Houston area, uh, running water, indoor plumbing, paved streets. And when they went to the city of Houston to try to get that, they were not successful until the early pioneers of Independence Heights came back to the to the table and said, so what do we do um, so that we can have those same amenities. And so that's when they decided to chart their own path by chartering their own city and becoming their own municipality. And so I will say this to the people who are coming to live in the community. When we start to tell them where they are and about this community, they become excited and join forces with us to try to protect and preserve oh. because they don't necessarily like the housing style either. Wow. Wow. And this is part of a bigger national movement, correct? Could you talk about Black Towns Matter? Sure. Um, so, you know, last year, 
well, year before last. We went through George Floyd. It's been a long couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it has. And having gone through the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and uh, Art Ahmaud Arbery moment on national TV, where the world watched, I think what it did was it allowed the world to see themselves in this story. And when you got up that morning and you saw Mayor uh, Muriel Bowser in Washington, D.C. paint Black Lives Matter down Pennsylvania Avenue, it struck a chord with me. And I said, in this moment, I don't want to look back 10, 20 years from now and go, where was I, boys? Where were we to really tell the history and the story about how and why uh, black towns were created. So what did you do? I called my friend over at University of Houston, uh, Susan Rogers, and she's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know, I want to do something. And then she says, well, what do you want to do? I said, I think we just need to paint Black Towns Matter in the middle of our Main Street. But what I'll do is I'll call all the other mayors and I'll say, we're going to do this as a unified front. And this will be our awareness campaign to bring awareness that in this George Floyd moment of Black Lives Matter, we wanted to make the statement that black towns yes, matters. Yes. And we tried to keep it a secret um, because we didn't have permits. We didn't have, <laughs> you know, the approval because we were on lockdown. And, and, and I will tell you this. We just had so many people who jumped on board with this. And so we had towns in all of these international places paint black towns matter. And in places where they could not get permits, the young people painted it at the edge of their driveways. Wow. I love it that this is not just about the past, no. but about the future. Yeah, it's, it's not it. just looking back at historic preservation. But I love that you're pulling things forward, and I love that the story is continuing to be told. You're finding ways to continue to tell the story so that a new generation knows about it. If someone wants to get involved as a resident of Acres Home, how can I be better about making sure that my Black area the story continues to get told. Are there things that you're doing in Independence Heights that maybe even I can learn from that I can be a better resident of Acres Homes? Sure. So um, we work across communities to make sure that everybody has the resources. We leverage resources. We talk to each other. Um, it, before the pandemic, I uh, ran a group called Community Leaders of Color where we met every fourth Thursday of the month. And so you had people from Acres Homes who came to that meeting and so those are ways that you can connect is through our Community Leaders of Color initiative. Also, um, we hold an annual conference called Preserving Communities of Color. Um, and so you can definitely connect through that work also. If I want to visit some of these historic places around Houston, where should I go? In March of 2020, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee was able to get the Emancipation Historic Trail uh, established and a study signed into law. And so we're in the process now of looking at the migration of people from Galveston, from Brazoria, from these outlying towns into the Houston area. That trail is about 51 miles long. It starts at the reading of the Emancipation Proclamation and comes all the way through to Independence so Heights. So from Galveston into Independence Heights. Yes. All right. Yeah. To Independence Heights. And you got to think about Lisa uh -huh. stopping at all of those little settlement communities that are along that path, like Galveston, like the 1867 settlement, which is comprised of cowboys who worked along the Chisholm Trail um, and coming into Dickinson and League City. Um, if you go in those areas and look at those old black churches, you're going to see the landscape still there. Oh, wow. Perfect. This Thank you great. for that. Thank you for that. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. So, Tanya, how are y'all celebrating Martin Luther King Day in Independence Heights? So hopefully we're going to be doing our annual garden cleaning and this garden symbolizes to the young people that everything doesn't grow in that store, you know? <laughs> it is 
a seed put in the ground and it's planted and it sprouts. Yes. And these areas that were populated and are being populated were once agrarian places where we grew everything. And we have to get back to some of that. And so we're teaching young people about, you know, agritourism. We're teaching them about how to grow their own food. Um, and so we're going to be cleaning our garden for MLK because it is a day. It's a day on. It's not a day off. And so we're going to be working <laughs> to do that. And, and also talking about and listening to his speeches. Uh -huh. And participating in all the festivities because it is because of him that you know African Americans can feel empowered, yes. and we want his life to not just be in vain. All right, Tanya, Marcus, thank y'all so much. For more information about Black Towns Matter and Independence Heights, see the links in our show notes. All right, it is time for some news, and I am here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell. What is going on around Houston? Well, there was a tragic story last night, but it involved a heroic ending. What many people, at least online, are calling an act of a good Samaritan. Okay, so tell me how it all started. There was a deputy answering a call about a masked man in a CVS, and he saw that man, and then a police chase ensued. At the end of that chase, that deputy crashed into another vehicle, oh. which was carrying two children, actually. Ouch. And what happened? So were people killed? The children are still alive. One is in critical condition. The driver was killed, yes. But as this was happening, the Good Samaritan came along. He's a man named Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker. Right. Like the whiskey, I guess. <laughs> and he's said to have leapt over a patrol car that had been smashed and was on fire and that he thought was on the verge of blowing up in order to pull the deputy sheriff out of his car, which he was able to do. This good Samaritan, he's also homeless. I jumped over the car. Two more youngsters came and jumped behind me, and we pulled them, took them inside the store because we were afraid to lay them there. Wow. So what is going on with him now? Is there some reward? Is there Are people, like, helping him out? Well, there are multiple calls for GoFundMe on his behalf online. It seems to be getting some momentum. Everyone wants the hero to be helped. Asked about it by ABC 13 on the scene about risking his life to pull the deputy out of the car. He made a few remarkable statements, but he said, I think I was at the right place at the right time being homeless. Wow. And then she asked him, why did you do it? Because I would want somebody to do it for me. Because I would want somebody to do it for me, he said. Wow. That is a great story. Thank you, Farrell. You're very welcome. Y'all, that is it for this week for CityCast Houston. Our producers are Dana Kesba and Farrell Gibbs. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about this podcast. Tell three friends. Tell them how to use those podcast apps. Monday is Martin Luther King Day, so... We won't be here, but we will see you on Tuesday. Till then, bye. We will be back on Monday. Until then. Oh, that's a lie. Okay. Uh.